97.5 FM, KNMO AM 1240 KNEM, K260 DP, 99.9 FM, Nevada, Missouri. It's time for Tiger Talk on Double K Country. It's our weekly discussion of Nevada Tiger Athletics. Tiger Talk is brought to you by Buzz's Barbecue, Nevada Auto Mall, Emory's Truck Stop, Ferry Funeral Home, 54 Feet and Seed, Sutherland's Home Base, First National Bank, Eldorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, 54 Veterinary Clinic, Compass Health Network, Sharky's Pub and Grub, Nevada Family Dentistry, Thorpe's Appliances, The Plumbing Shop, MyNevadaMode.com, and Smith Insurance Agency. Let's now join the voice of Nevada Tigers, Mike Harbett, for Tiger Talk. And a very pleasant good everybody. Welcome to Tiger Talk tonight on this Wednesday night on this 20th day of October. Appreciate you joining us tonight as this time once again. Talk Nevada Tiger football, and that's not all tonight. We'll also talk Nevada Lady Tigers softball as Lady Tigers, of course, get ready for a big ball game coming up tomorrow evening as they get set for their matchup against the Lady Pirates of Platte County and a Class 3 quarterfinal game tomorrow. I'm Mike Harbin. Thanks for joining us. Here in just a moment, we'll be joined by Nevada Tiger football coach Wes Beetzler for his weekly conversation. We'll run through the ball game from last week against McDonald's. County, run through some of the highlights of that contest and get you a, a little bit more in-depth information about the matchup for the regular season finale against the Aurora Hound Dogs coming up Friday night at Logan Field. Should be a great matchup just like it was last week. Hopefully it comes out on the other side of the things, but uh, look forward to that matchup on Friday. And of course, now that we are into the final week of the regular season, we're certainly going to break down the Class 4 District 7 standings for you as well and tell you how things look going into this final week of the regular season before district play begins next week. We'll come back get it started after this first time out on Tiger Talk. The Plumbing Shop in Nevada would like to announce that they are your Navian hot water dealer. Navian systems offer more output for the money, lower installation costs, and lower operating costs for the homeowner. The Plumbing Shop also specializes in mostly commercial and new home builds. For a new Navian system in your commercial property or residential home, contact the Plumbing Shop at 417-667-1319. Keeping you out of hot water by keeping you in hot water. Hi, it's MyNevadaMode.com again, reminding you we are Nevada's Community Bulletin Board. We post current and upcoming community events, government phone numbers from city to federal, a business directory, a parks and rec page, and school activities. Speaking of school, MyNevadaMode.com would like to congratulate our students and our sports teams. Our Tigers demonstrate the spirit, sportsmanship, and values that make this country great and make Nevada a great place to live. You make us proud on the field and in the classroom. MyNevadaMo.com is rooting for you. At Nevada Auto Mall, Danny Deals and his crew continue to trade for the area's best pre-owned vehicles. Come check out this cool-looking 2015 Dodge Charger SXT. This sweet ride has a rear spoiler, 20-inch wheels, navigation, backup camera, and a whole lot more. Best of all, this Charger can be yours for just $19,999. When people say, how do you get all these nice pre-owned vehicles? I say it's simple. We always give the best deals out here at Nevada Auto Mall, the place where you get your deal. Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse is more than just barbecue. They offer a 60-person banquet room and can cater your next event. They have a full menu in-house and can customize limited menus catered specifically to your needs. So schedule your next event at Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse or just come by and have a great meal. Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse, which is the Nevada Tigers good luck. 
Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse at 2500 East Austin in Nevada. Call 667-4227. That's 667-4BBQ. And welcome back to Tiger Talk tonight. Again, appreciate you joining us on this Wednesday night. Again, later on the program, we'll be visiting with Nevada Lady Tiger softball coach uh, Danny Penn as they get ready for their Class 4 quarterfinal game tomorrow at 5 o'clock at Bushwhacker Field against the uh, Lady Pirates of uh, Platte County, a team that actually went to the Final Four last year, finished third in state, and I'm sure we'll return a lot of personnel from that team, but we'll break that down uh, a little bit later on the program in the final interview segment. But right now, we're going to talk football with Nevada Tiger at football coach Wes Beachler as they're getting ready to close out their regular season. Of course, Nevada coming off a 39-34 loss uh, last Friday night against the McDonald County Mustangs. We knew it was going to be a heck of a battle, and it turned out to be that way. Went back and forth for a while. They unfortunately got back-to-back scores in the second half that kind of gave them the spread that uh, that they needed. But uh, I guess, so, uh, well, not quite a week later, but about a few days later after the ball game, what are your thoughts uh, a lot about last Friday night? Well, kind of the same they were, Mike, on Friday night when the game was over. Just a little inability to perform well on two-point conversions um, was a factor. And then we had uh, three plays. You know, we had, we had a missed opportunity in the passing game. Um, and we also had a couple missed blocks on two separate plays that we probably would have got Avius to the edge, and it would have been he'd have been gone like he was a couple other times in the game. So those all came down to factors, and, and we just didn't get enough stops when we had to. And we, we had them in quite a few, you know, third and medium, third and longs, and a couple fourth and shorts, and we didn't we didn't get them off the field. So that's there's some things we got to clean up, and that's you know that's part of the process is you know trying to get better every week and. Uh, figuring out who's going to step up and who's going to play well and, and and the guys we need to have on the field in certain situations it's just it's a it's a year-long process and now the cream rises to the top so to speak and we're going to put our best guys out there for four quarters against their best guys and see what happens the rest of the way here well we talked we spent a lot of time talking about uh, quarterback cole martin on last week's program for mcdonald county and justifiably so he proved uh, that to be a uh, a good reason to talk about him. He's a very talented quarterback, three-year starter. Just really never could find a way to slow him down last Friday night. Well, yeah, we talked a little bit about the running game, the ball being in his hands. That that made me nervous when he's running the football, and that and that came to fruition there on Friday night. We just didn't we didn't handle him very well when he was running the football, and he also made some good decisions in the passing game. And um, we're going to have to generate more of a pass rush uh, if we, if we play a quarterback like that again because he he had too much time to sit back there and analyze things. So. Something we'll definitely look at. But yeah, he's a he's a good football player and uh, hurt us at, at bad times. I mean, he made some plays uh, in in crucial situations that we just we shouldn't allow him to do. But he's you know good players do that to you once in a while. Yeah, fourth down conversions they did well, three out of five, sixty uh, percent. Only ironically, only forty two percent on third down conversions. It was fourth down that kind of hurt you. Well, you know, of course, those third downs, they, they didn't get them, but they made them a fourth and short, and they converted three or five of those fourth and short. That's so that, that's where that hurt. You know, we, we got, you know, they'd be in a third and seven, third and eight, where you kind of want people, and they'd turn it into a fourth and two, still still stopping them short, but then they'd go for it on fourth down and convert those, you know, three of those five opportunities. But um, just a situation where a good quarterback, we need to get a few more stops, and we should have scored a few more points, uh, bo- both through the two-point conversions, a couple of those opportunities were missed. And then, like I said, we had a couple opportunities um, just on offense in general where we did not score that would have swung the game the other way. Yeah, and, the, and the, we talked about the averages working out on those two-point conversions. And, and this time, not that you're going to get them all, but uh, you want to get a bigger percentage than what you did, obviously, on Friday night. And that was six points uh, on three missed uh, two-point conversions. Six points, you lose by five. 
Right. And like you said, we're not going to get them all, but it, it changes a lot in the game. And there's so much that goes on over the course of four quarters. You know, we get a few more of those. And instead of being at one time, I think it was tw- we were up 20 to 13. If we're up 24, 13, mm-hmm. that, that, that changes how they call plays. That changes how they play defense. So there's, there's just a lot. Anytime, you know, it's a one possession game, Mike. It, it, that's like losing a basketball game by three or two, like losing a softball or baseball game by one. You're, you're losing by one score. And when you take out a 48 minute four quarter game and you only lost by one score, there are 25 little things that would have made a difference in that game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like a tip pass that they intercepted, you know, a lot of times those fall to the ground or they, it doesn't get tipped. Maybe it's completed. So many little things that could have changed the outcome. And that's why you got to, you got to play hard on every play. And we talked to our kids about this this week. We had a great week of practice and we just talked about being innovative again, be, being the more physical team, being fundamentally sound, getting after people. And I think we'll bounce back fine. When the ball goes through Tyreek Hill's hands, they always get intercepted. That's a personal thing, I guess. Well, uh, I just threw yeah. that in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you have no comment on that. I don't, don't watch a lot of NFL this time of year, but uh, I'll take your word for that one. <laughs> At any rate, the, the loss, unfortunately, overshadowed a huge nine for Avia Stedman. 20 carries, 257 yards uh, rushing in the ball game, added to his TD total, picked up uh, uh, three more touchdowns rushing the football, had a 69-yard run, had another long run, 59-yarder. Uh, unfortunately, the loss overshadowed a big night that that young man had. Young man had. Yeah, I'm you know I'm not sure that there's a better offensive player in the Big Eight this year on either side, East mm-hmm. or West. I think, and and he will gladly um, share the accolades with his offensive line and fullback Zade Lee. But uh, you know, just an explosive player when he gets in space, he doesn't get caught. Um, makes sees the alley well, hits the alleys hard, and it also has the ability to make people miss. I, I think he broke like five tackles on that one long run he had. So just an outstanding player it's very explosive sees the field well very athletic it's it's fun to watch him play we're going to have, of course run back his highlights along with some others here in just a minute but uh before we do that inside wise had a tough night running the football between the tackles uh they got some beef on that on that offensive line did you find it difficult to to move them well i thought we had some good plays off tackle mike and a few up the middle um Obviously, what we want to do is get our speed to the edge, so we're going to, we're going to attempt to do that more often than not. But yeah, we, they, we're undersized just about every year in, in the in the Big Eight Conference. But I think our offensive line still did a pretty good job. We had some plays when we needed to, and you know the thing is, we we, we scored thirty four points. You know, we we put five touchdowns yeah. on the board, I believe it was. So we had our opportunities. I think we only punted twice. We had the or maybe once, but we had the couple turnovers that hurt too. Um, but, you know, scoring 35 points, you're going to be in ball games. And I, I thought we moved the ball fairly well. And uh, I, th- I think we had, again, about 450 yards of total offense. So we're, I thought we did yeah. a pretty good job. We just had to get a few more stops and get a few more plays on offense. And like you said, those two-point conversions hurt in the end. Yeah, I, I really feel stupid asking that question now because you did have 458 <laughs> yards of total offense, 339 yards on the ground. Uh, Avis had 257 of that. But, uh, but, again, you weren't liking for offense. On, on Friday night. We'll talk about the defense here. On the def- what you saw on video once you uh, once the game was over. And again, McDonald County, uh, you know, they were they're seven and one for a reason. They got an explosive offense and they proved that on Friday night. But let's run through the highlights before we get too far behind here because Nevada had plenty of those as well. As uh, the Tigers, of course, uh, took on the McDonald County Mustangs and uh, came out uh, quickly as they normally do. McDonald County actually came out with the first score of the ball game. They scored with 7:40 to go in the first quarter of play on a 34-yard touchdown pass from Cole Martin to Colton Ruddick. Uh, they did miss the PAT that made it six to nothing. But Nevada. 
So I'm, I, I have not counted this up. I need to do this. How many one-play drives you've had. But uh, just after Nevada gets the, gets the kickoff, after the touchdown, again, just a one-play drive. And uh, this time, uh, as Nevada scores with 7.22 to go in the first quarter of play, it wasn't on the ground. Coach scripts his first play, his first several plays. I'm not sure if he scripted it this way, but maybe he did. 73-yard touchdown pass, a little oddity for Nevada offensively. They go to the air. First and 10 for Nevada. Kate Bishore, near sideline receiver, wide open. Kay Sanderson, 50-yard line, 40, avoids a tackler. 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Yet another one-play touchdown drive for the Nevada Tigers. This one goes for 73 yards. Nevada on the board with six points. Bill, how many times have we seen them do I'm that this you season? Well, that's getting to double digits. I know that. But 73-yard uh, touchdown pass uh, down the down the sideline. Heck of a catch by Kay Sanderson. He's left-handed, fortunately. Made a one-handed, left-handed grab, but uh, you scripted about your first eight or ten plays. Is that what you had diagram? You, you never know if you're going to have a touchdown <laughs> diagram or not, but it turned out pretty good. And just the thinking there was that uh, they're going to be all over Avius, so we ran him in the, in the fly motion in front of the quarterback. Their their defensive backs kind of sucked up a little bit, and, and actually we sent Drew on the seam on that play too. In the corner of safety, both initially jumped the seam with Drew, and so it left Case wide open, wheeling out of the backfield. Pretty good ball. Uh, Cade laid it out there pretty good. It was a great catch. Ironically, as I was watching last night, and I got an email alert that Nevada was included in the biggest pass plays of the week or something for last week. I guess that was the farthest, the longest touchdown pass of the week in the state of Missouri, I guess. Oh, um, okay. But it was, a, it came from Max Preps and it was okay. the, the top five pass plays in Missouri last <laughs> week. So I, I don't know if we made the top five pass plays at number go. one very often. But, uh, so, <laughs> you yeah, got that a story was, there. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll remember that one for a long time. But uh, we've been on there. This is the third, like you were talking about, those big plays. Avius has been on there twice for longest touchdown runs. One was the 97-yarder was number one, two in the state of Missouri that week, according to Max Preps. And then he had another one that the 94-yarder was also in the top five. But, uh, yeah, we're just – you never know what the end result's going to be, but we, we really felt like offensively that they, they would be really watching Avius, and that was the case, and we were able to wheel our case out there mm-hmm. out of the backfield, and it was a good play for us. Yeah, it was, but uh, Nevada did tie the game, missed a two-point conversion, so tied the ball game at 6-6. Six to six. McDonald County, though, came right back. Martin, again, he picked up the touchdown, uh, one of uh, two that he had rushing the football. Uh, first one on a 30-yard run. Uh, the extra point good came with 3.18 to go in the first quarter of play, and that made it 13-6. to six. That was the one that uh, I think caught your ire, wasn't it? That was that fourth down play, fourth and one. They run the quarterback sneak, and uh, he runs it in from 30 yards out. Yeah, that one did not make me happy. I mean, it's just it's just a case where I feel like there's times where, you know, kids should know without the coach even having to holler from the sideline that, hey, it's fourth and one, the quarterback's going to walk up under center, even be in shotgun. You know you got a running quarterback. you got to be on the on, aware of that. You know, Mike, there's so many, there's so many parallels we see, and I know you, you probably see it more than I do this time of year, but I'm a, I'm a big college football fan, so I try to watch some college football on Saturdays. And and you see that you see college teams do that. Mm-hmm. They'll get they'll get a ten yard run on a, on a quarterback sneak. We talked about last week about the quarterback escaping the pocket. You know, I think we we're talking about the Bills and Chiefs game where you see pro football players giving up fifteen and twenty yard runs to the Bills quarterback into Mahomes at Kansas City. You know, you it, it just sometimes you just got to scratch your head and go, well, the athlete made a play, and mm-hmm. it, it yeah, it was frustrating. But I mean, we talked all last week to our players. We talked about on Tiger Talk if if Martin gets in the open. 
he has made people look stupid. And he and he got in the open too many times, and we did, that's something we tried to avoid and we tried to cut down on. But he's he gets in space; he's scary. Thirteen six after the extra point, Nevada did regroup though. Got the ball back, seven oh three to go in the first half of play. We've moved to the second quarter now, and Nevada again goes long distance, and this is the first of three touchdowns for Avia Stedman. Line up in the pistol wing. Stedman lined up on the right side. He's in motion. Takes a handoff. Sweep left side. Gets a kick out block from Johnson. Left edge. He's at the 50. Here we go. 35 30, 25 20, 15 10, 5. Touchdown. Touchdown. Avius Stedman. Touchdown. Run for 60 yards. And Nevada's back on the board and a two point conversion away from taking the lead. Actually, a 59 yard run, but it was a two. The two point conversion was missed. And Nevada remained behind at 13 to 12. I missed the kickout block there. Nice bought, nice job by Jordan to kick out the end and uh, or the linebacker, whoever it was, but uh, gave uh, Avius the alley he was looking for. Yeah, and we're, I mean, we're counting on, we always tell our kids if, if you're just a running back, you're going to struggle to get on the field in our offense because you have to be able to carry out fakes and block mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, it does a good job by Jordan on that play. And then we get, of course, we had our pullers coming around to seal the inside and kind of clean stuff up. And we did a good job executing on that on that particular play. 13-12, and that was a score at halftime. And again, you, again, it's one of those things where you know you get those two point conversions. You got a lead going to the locker room at halftime with the ball in the beginning of the second half. And I don't know if it changes the complexion or not, but you never know about momentum. Well, the biggest thing there, Mike, that changed is um, when we had the ball. I think around the five or slightly inside the five at the in the last yeah, drive of right, the first yeah. half. That's when we missed one of those crucial blocks where a young man was missed on the interior and came inside out and made the play on Avius from behind when Avius was trying to turn the corner. And that it, that probably might have led to a touchdown. You never know what could have happened if that block would have been picked up, but we'll never know that. But it could have been a touchdown. We may, we score a touchdown there and make the two-point conversion now. It is an entirely different game, especially the way we started the second half. So – a lot of little things that uh, just didn't go our way. Yeah, I actually meant to tie. I'm glad you brought that up because I actually meant to bring up that last drive uh, in the, at the end of the first half because your two-minute uh, offense really executed everything perfectly until that final play. Yeah, we just, just had a breakdown there and um, just one of those, I mean, I feel like it was a good call. And, you know, I know that some people might say, well, everybody in the stadium knows who's going to get the ball in that situation. Well, yeah, that's, that's who we want to get the well, ball to. I knew Cole Martin was going to get it too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, and we just, just won, we we're just one or two missed blocks away from Avius being in there and, and having a, a lead and then getting the ball first to start the second half. Well, Nevada did trail at halftime 13-12, to 12, but Nevada had the ball first to begin the second half of play. And it didn't take long for them to actually take the lead at 20-13. to 13. Again, uh, it's Avius Stebbin. Not quite so long, though, on – actually, I need to go back because – this particular touchdown drive was set up, first of all, by the second half kickoff. As the kickoff coming up here by the Mustangs by Jared Mora, end over end down the near hash to Jordan Johnson. Returns it back from the 10-yard line. Center of the field, 20-25. Finds the hole. He's in the open. He's at the 40-yard line. One man to beat. Johnson at the 50. At the near sideline, the 30. Caught by Mora at the 20-yard line. I see no flags on the field. Nevada will have it first and 10 at the McDonald County 20-yard line. Nice, nice way to start the second half uh more unfortunately had the angle on in there on the on the snare on the near sideline for me far sideline for you but uh still a heck of a return to set you up in great position to start the second half yeah um, coach alexander's done a good job with the special teams and getting those returns going and and i think you know sometimes it's you know 
Jordan and, and Avius are both new to the program, and sometimes it takes a while to figure out where that stuff's going to be and where it's going to hit. And we, we hit that one pretty well, and it's great return. And yeah, one guy to be. And the the thing that you're always worried about on those kind of things is sometimes you have a great return like that, and you don't you, you don't make it stick. You don't put points on the board, and you're like, man, if you could have beat that one guy, but fortunately we were able to finish that drive. Did that just a few play a few plays later. This time again, Avius Stebbin with a second touchdown of the night. First and goal from the four yard line. So we're getting the near hash mark. Handoff. Stebbin's got a hole up the middle. And he's in the end zone, or is he? Yes, yes touchdown. Touchdown. Four-yard run. Avia Stedman. Nevada strikes quick here at the beginning of the second half, and they take an 18-13 lead. And Nevada did make the two-point conversion at that point to make it 20-13. to Great way to start the second half. Probably feeling pretty good at that point. Well, I mean, we just really felt like our offense, you know, that there was things that we could do. We, we always feel that way, that, that our offense can be successful with the things that we do. And so it's good to come out and strike quick like that. Obviously, the special teams helped us out a great deal on that drive. But we just, I mean, we feel like we have the kids in the line and our fullback, Zay Lee's done a nice job that we, we, we can make a lot of, interesting touchdown drives and score a lot of points and eat up a lot of yards, and we just got to continue to do that. Uh, the key point in the ballgame here, though, because then McDonald County comes back with back-to-back scores. Seven-yard run by Destin Dowd, the sophomore, made it t- tied it up at 20 after the PAT, and then they get the ball back, convert a 37-yard touchdown pass, again from Martin to Ruddick, make the extra point 27-20, to and on just like that, McDonald County is back on top. But Nevada did get back within one, did get back within one and again, after getting the kickoff from McDonald County, it didn't take long for Nevada to get back on the board with Stedman's third and final touchdown of the night. First and 10, Nevada at their own 31-yard line. Back to Stedman, hitting the backfield. Gets away, still running. He's in the open. He's at the 50-yard line, 40. Puts the afterburners on. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Avia Stedman. Touchdown. That goes for 69 yards. And Nevada, one point behind McDonald County at 27, 26. Two-point conversion coming up. Had to check the scoreboard to check myself. But at any rate, uh, the 69-yard run, that was the run you were talking about earlier where he broke some tackles uh, to get in the open. Again, uh, offensive line and uh, other backs getting the, the initial item, but he did some of that on his own by breaking tackles. Yeah, that's one. That one's kind of a, an Avia Stedman highlight. We did, didn't block that one very well, made a few guys miss, and then he found a crease and hit it hard. And, you know, once he gets in space, he's pretty tough to catch. And that made it uh, 27-26. Unfortunately, Nevada did not get the two-point conversion there, so they still trailed by one. Again, key point of the game. Then comes early in the fourth quarter of play. McDonald County gets back-to-back scores, five-yard run by Destin Dowd, followed five minutes later by an 11-yard run by Cole Martin, 39-26 with six minutes to go. And uh, that's going to make it tough right there. Well, you know, it's going to make it tough, but you never quit on anything, nope. Mike. I've seen some weird things happen, lived through, played through a miraculous comeback, and have been fortunate to coach a few. So uh, just never give up. And I really think we were real doggone close to yeah. getting that onside kick late, too, after that final touchdown. So yeah. Yeah, anything can happen if you keep playing hard. Yeah, we're going to get to that because uh, Nevada did continue to battle and score to a 62 seconds remaining in the ballgame. This time it was Cade Bishore who reaches the end zone for just the second time this season on the ground. First and goal, Nevada need to get in the end zone quickly. Rolling right is Bishore, sidesteps more, trying to get to the end zone, touchdown! Cade Booyah, Cade Bishore runs it in with 62 seconds to go in the ballgame. And Nevada's back within seven with a two-point conversion coming up. So you still got a pulse at this point after that uh, two-point conversion. Got you back within five at 39-34. You do line up. Everybody in the building knows you're going to onside kick it. And uh, had had an an encroachment call on the first one. They did recover it. So technically gave you another opportunity five yards further back. But uh, what's the objective? uh, Because you didn't use... uh, 
your normal uh, Stedman to kick. You actually switched it up. Or I can't remember if Jordan was out there. But at any rate, uh, you went another way. So what was your objective there to uh, to try to get that bounce that you're looking well, for? Well, yeah, Lane Webb's the one that kicks those. He comes because all we really work on is the surprise onside where he comes across and then just work on the surprise onside. He's the one that ten, ha, tends to get the ball between that 10 to 15 yard about the numbers. Well, that's where you want it. You want the, it's got to go 10. Everybody knows that. And you, if it gets down that 20 yard downfield range, it's pretty tough to get, get there on time. He, he does a really good job of hitting it at about the 10 to 15 yard mark at the numbers where you want to have a shot to get it. Cause you've got them. That's one of the few places you have them outnumbered. And so he does, he does the best job of getting it there. So that's why we have him kick it. And the first one was really close. I think they bobbled it a little bit. It bounced mm-hmm. off one guy and another guy scrambled to it. So we, we had our chances, but, uh, you know, that's – any time you onside kick, I can't remember what the percentage – of course, they change the rules in the NFL it's like greatly. 10%, it's yeah. like 10%. It's always going to be pretty slim, but you you, you never know how it's going to bounce. We got one against Cassville last year. It, it didn't change the outcome of the game, but it made things exciting down the stretch. And so you're going to roll the dice on those and hope some kid's a little nervous and bobbles the ball and you get a chance to get it or hope you get a nice hop at the, when your kids are getting there. So that's just the way it goes. Well, the, unfortunately, uh, the time ran out on Nevada. They do lose 39-34 to 34, as McDonald County improved to 7-1. and one. Uh, They are sitting at 4-1 uh, and one in uh, Big 8 West play, uh, while Nevada finished their Big 8 West play at 4-2. and two, And, of course, now sit at 6-2 and two overall uh, with one more game to go now in the regular season. Obviously, a high-scoring ball game. You've had a few of those. So, uh, as you go back and we've talked a lot of offense, let's go to the defensive side of the football. Actually, before we do that, I want to finish up one thing on the offensive side because we went – we went seven weeks without a pick. That's a heck of a stretch. And then had two on Friday night. One, as you mentioned, looked like a deflection. Uh, uh, the other one you'll have to diagnose for me. But uh, uh, not a high percentage uh, completion. Had the touchdown pass, but didn't have a high completion rate uh, on Friday. Again, were the Mustangs doing anything to make uh, things difficult? No, we just – I mean, I have no concerns about our passing game at this time. And, you know uh, – Cade makes great decisions, and the one that got picked that wasn't tipped, Mike, was a, was a ball that Cade has squeezed in there a few times before and just this time didn't get away with it, and, that, and that's going to happen sometimes. You know, uh, I, I can't remember the stats, but I think it was a couple years ago between Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and I think Patrick Mahomes, they threw a total of nine or ten picks but they each threw about four. I think it was Rodgers threw three and the other two threw four. It was something like that. But it just goes to show that even the best are going to every now and then try to put one in there. And, you know, it's just like, you know, Michael Jordan. uh, I'm sure almost everybody listening to this show probably watched the the Michael Jordan – miniseries was that last summer the, the yeah the, 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 the dance, dance dance or whatever yeah. it was called you know what i have not watched that yet you have not you I need, I, that's, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kicking myself for doing it but i i'm, I'm gonna get on i'll get on <laughs> stream it here one of these days i'll binge watch it someday uh, you know you, you need to watch that mm-hmm. i i don't i don't want to jackrabbit down a way off trail here a little bit <laughs> but it, it will bring back memories of when i used to watch the nba when magic johnson larry bird mm-hmm. michael jordan was coming it was a it was different this uh, i won't go down that road but um uh you know michael jordan talks about 
everybody remembers the shots he made. He goes, I remember a lot of the ones I missed. I, mm-hmm. I think he said like 35 to 40% of the time he made the game-winning shot. 60 to 65, he missed it, mm-hmm. you know, the game-winning shot. So it, it's just one of those things where he, he, he tried to force it in there. It wasn't a dumb mistake by any means. He, th- he thought he had a look. He thought he could get it in there. I'm not overly concerned about it. Uh, on the year, we're 11-2. and two. You yeah. know, Last year, we were 8-3, and three, I think, on uh, touchdown-interception ratio. We're 11-2 and two this year. We're closing in on a thousand yards passing, and we're eight hundred and some. Um, so I don't have any concerns about the decision making of Cade, and, and I think our receivers have proven sometimes when we do force the ball a little bit, they can come back and get it. And so I'm, I'm not overly concerned about that. My concerns are we have to get, which I think will segue into yep. your next yep. question. But we we have to get better defensively at, at forcing some more punts and, and and getting some more stops on third and fourth. Yeah, down. I'll finish that up by saying yeah, 11 TDs, two interceptions. Uh, we've faced some teams where that's been reversed. <laughs> you know, Monette comes to mind. Uh, but and a quarterback rating of 125. I don't know a lot about quarterback rating, but I know it's pretty darn good. So uh, so you'll take that and move forward with 11 TDs, two interceptions, and a 125 quarterback rating. rating certainly take your chances with that okay so let's flip over to the to the defensive side of the football it's no secret that uh got to get off the field a little bit sooner and uh so what uh, i guess what are you seeing and uh how are you trying to remedy it well we're, i mean we worked a lot this week on pass rush and, and obviously when you play a roar you got to work on stopping the midline the veer i mean they're gonna if you can't stop their option type game they're, they're gonna keep doing it and doing it and doing it and you have to be disciplined because you know, it, it's just like Army and Navy. You know, they will give somebody in a bowl game fits. I remember, wasn't very long ago. I don't know if it was Navy or Army gave Georgia all they wanted mm-hmm. in a regular season. And Georgia's one of the best defensive teams in the country every year. And they just gave them fits because the one time you don't tackle that dive and they give it, the dude streak up the fields for seventy yards. And that's what they did to us last year. So we know we got to get on the fullback, who's a big kid. I mean, he's a senior. I think he started back there since he was a sophomore. He's six one, uh, I think, 230, 225. 230, six foot 230. Yeah, and so if you don't take a good angle on him and get him stopped, he's going to go a ways. Um, but we worked on pass rush. I, I think that's probably our biggest um, issue on defense right now is – we didn't know how blessed we were last year at times. I think sometimes you don't know what you got till it's gone. Uh, Trotter and Bishore last year with the motors they had and the energy they came off the edge and the way they pass rushed, the quarterbacks didn't have a lot of time to to check down or, or think about things. They had to get it out quick, and we're not get, we're not generating enough of a pass rush. So we worked on that some. I think our pass coverage has gotten better. Our linebackers dropping a little deeper to the underneath stuff has gotten a little better. Uh, so time will tell if, if we keep getting better at that. We've got a DN that's a decent pass rusher nicked up right now. Uh, probably will not be available on Friday. So that, that compromises us a little bit more. But we got to generate more of a pass rush. And that, and that may result in sometimes a little more of a blitz game with bringing Marquardt or Gage Miller on a blitz and, and trying to create more of a pass rush. But I think that's our biggest thing. And then just being aware of I think sometimes – our kids try to do too much when it's third and eight instead of just doing what they're supposed to read, react, get to the ball. I know there's a couple times we, I think we had one or two, three and outs. I'm like, why, why are we not doing this more often? It's the kids just read, reacted and made plays. And then sometimes I think it gets to be third and six, third and eight. Like I said, I don't want to get redundant. I think we got kids trying to make too much, too big of a play instead of just making the play that they read and they're supposed to react to. So, 
uh, I think we've got a lot of that remedy this week as well. A couple of nice defensive plays in the secondary last week. I want to make mention of because I don't want. To, it certainly, it wasn't all bad. There was, was a lot of good things that happened. Uh, a hit by JD Downing on the goal line on a long pass to Ruddick at the goal line should have been seven. Downing gets there just after the ball does and knocks it loose. Uh, there were a couple of nice defensive plays in the secondary. Yeah, I think the secondary. I mean, I, I mean, you would if you don't understand the game of football which I, some people don't, and that's okay. If you don't understand it, you're, you're going to look to the secondary immediately. I, th- I think our secondary has been much improved the last couple of weeks. We ha- And our backers done a better job. It comes down to last year we did not allow quarterbacks to sit back there and survey. Mm-hmm. And it, this is across the board, Mike. I know you know this because – think you played college right i went i went to college to play but i found out i could do play by play (laughs) i got you but at all levels at all levels if a quarterback has a chance to sit back there and survey he's a lot more effective if he has to hurry he's not very effective and so we we just got to generate more of a pass rush there no matter what kind of secondary you have and we see it in the nfl and we see it in college if a quarterback has four or five seconds to throw the ball it's usually a completion. If they have four seconds or less to throw the ball or he's having to scramble out of the pocket, the, those are, the completion percentage drops quite, quite considerably. Well, uh, Nevada wraps that one up. Again, uh, took one in the uh, loss column, but onward and upward we go. We spent a lot of time talking about that game, so we need to move on as the Tigers are going to certainly do that themselves. Two days from now, got a big game on Friday night and against another good team, a team that's already actually won the Big 8 East Division, the Aurora Hound Dogs, who uh, lost their opening game, ironically, to McDonald County, and since then they have yet to be beaten. And we'll talk about the Hound Dogs after this timeout on Tiger Talk. Sharky's Pub and Grub at 400 South Johnson Drive, Nevada, is more than just a place to eat. It's an atmosphere filled with your friends and family, great food and drinks, music and entertainment. Oh, did I mention the food? And it's all in one lively spot. And what about the daily specials on your favorite eats and drinks? Sharky's Pub and Grub, 400 South Johnson Drive, Nevada. Come on over and experience it for yourself. It's not just a place to eat, it's an atmosphere. With a whisper quiet engine and loaded with standard accessories, the Arctic Cat Prowler Pro Ranch Edition takes your riding experience to the next level. Visit your authorized Arctic Cat sales and service center, El Dorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, where they are more than happy to ship parts. El Dorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, located at 3270 South Highway 32 in El Dorado Springs, Missouri. Call 877-390-5148. Visit them online at eldoradocycle.com. Did you know Channel Master antennas receive high definition and digital signals over the air from a span of 180 degrees and up to 80 miles of range? And Thorpe's Appliances is your area dealer. And that TCL, Roku, and Smart TVs with 32 to 75 inch screens are available starting as low as $229. Call Thorpe's Appliances at 667-8787 to schedule a free quote. Your local authorized Channel Master dealer. Thorpe's Appliances, since 1945. Thorpe's Appliances, 114 North Cedar, three generations serving the Vernon County area since 1945. If you have a calling to serve people in your community and help bring about positive change, come join us. Compass Health Network is currently hiring for multiple positions. We serve communities in 46 counties across Missouri and have a place for you. If you are a licensed therapist, nurse, integrated health specialist, dental assistant, office manager, or IT specialist, Compass Health Network offers a supportive work environment and great benefits. Find out more at careers.compasshealthnetwork.org. 
back on Tiger Talk here on uh, this Wednesday night, 638. Again, later on in the program, we'll be visiting with Nevada Lady Tiger head softball coach Danny Penn. they got a big ball game coming up tomorrow against Platte County, trying to get back to a place they last went to in 2010, and that was the State Final Four. Of course, that year they ended up winning it, and they're, they're one step away from doing that when they play uh, Platte County tomorrow at Bushwhacker Field. That conversation is coming up later in the program. Right now, we're going to talk about the Aurora Hound Dogs. Aurora team that's uh, sitting at 7-1 uh, and uh, one on the season, uh, coming off a win from a week ago as they uh, defeated Reed Spring 28-14. to They've already won the Big 8 East Division as uh, they went at a perfect 6-0 and in the East. Uh, do have a common opponent with McDonald County. They lost to the Mustangs back in Week 1, 33-22, if I remember right, was the, was the final score uh, somewhere in that vicinity. But uh, so you got a common opponent. So do you go back? Did you go all the way back to the opening game of the season, look and see what Aurora did against McDonald County, or have you concentrated on what they've been doing lately? Well, concentrating. I've been concentrating on what they do lately because sometimes when you go back to that early in the year, it may not even be the same defensive starters out there. But offensively, they're not going to change. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Coach Barnes and defensive staff has looked at that, but uh, they're they're not going to change what they do. It, it's just it's simple. If you can't stop, you know, the veer and the midline stuff, then they're going to keep running it. Uh, and then if you do, now they're going to run some boot pass. They're, they're going to fake the veer and they're going to they're going to counter it and they're going to toss sweep it. And so they they do some really nice things. Uh, you know, and this is a team that kind of like us two years ago was probably, you know, yeah. counted counted down and out by some people. Had Twenty players. Yeah, they knew they knew what they had coming, and we knew what we had coming. So so. Really appreciate good administrators that stayed the course and and you know supported, you know, uh, Coach Weldy down there and my administration supported me here just knowing that what we were doing the direction we were headed in. So it's it's two programs that two years ago had their struggles, but right now are playing pretty good football. So we're gonna have to sh- shut down what they do, Mike. And just real quick, I'm gonna take a sideways trail there a little bit. Uh, good luck to the girls tomorrow, softball girls and Coach Penn. You know, I heard today somebody said, schoolboy, it's just it's just a really good team they're playing. Hey, you never know till you lace them up and go play. Well, you know it should what I mean? be good at this point of the year. Yeah, right, you, yeah, you get to this point that well, right, we're playing a we're playing a dog water team here. They are no good, but it, that ain't going to happen. There's, um, eight, there's eight teams left in the right, class. They're right. good, <laughs> but uh, you never know. To I mean, you, I, I guess they got a really good pitcher or something. Got some pretty good bats yeah, in big, the lineup. Got a big but, three hole hitter. Yeah, yeah, and so. But you never know till you go till you go play them. So you you got to approach every game like it's going to be a win. I was we got a powerful. I can't remember if she's Claire bats three or four, but we got a pretty powerful uh, three yeah. three or four hitter yeah. as well. So she's a likable three or four hitter <laughs> yeah. too. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade her for very many people. But uh, yeah. yeah, so good luck to them. But yeah, we we just got to take care of what we do and uh, worked on that all week and make them go their secondary stuff. You know. I, um, any anytime you play a team that runs that, if you tackle the dive, tackle the quarterback, and make him pitch, they don't want to do that. That's that's their last option. And then if you can shut that stuff down, and they start going to their toss game and their counter game, you'd rather see a little bit more of that than them that dive going for five, the quarterback going for six. If they do that all up and down the field, it's going to be a long night for us. Well, I watched a little bit of video on them today. Again, run double wing offense, uh, and uh, which we see a lot of in the Big Eight for some reason, but uh, it's a popular offense. Double wing offense. One thing I like. Wing back on the left, number one. Fullback is number two. Wing back on the right is number three. That's that's great. One, two, and three. Yeah, well, we should do that because we. I don't we know why number... the quarterback's not wearing four. He wears ten. <laughs> we yeah we our our tailback is two in our numbering system. Our tailback's two. Quarterback is one. Wing back is four. Fullback three. So I guess I got to shuffle some guys around. Just say, hey, you don't get that number next year. We're going to have to shuffle it around. But yeah, that's kind of neat the way that 
turned out. I don't know if that was by design or if that's just the way it turned out. That those are their best kids. But uh, well, yeah, if we don't stop that stuff, we're going to be in trouble. Well, they, they still don't have a huge roster uh, as far as numbers go. They have some huge kids, but they don't have. Uh, they don't. Have, they still don't have a huge roster. Still trying to build that up. But obviously, they got some quality players out there to go. You know, to go seven and one at this point of the season. Well, we talked. Ironically, I talked to Doctor Beachshore about that a little bit today. About you know quantity over quality um to some degree i remember um when uh we went back to back semifinals at houston um we, we played a lot of kids about week one through six or seven and then when we got down to eight nine ten we went to the semifinals uh all of a sudden where our quarterback was ta- was was playing every snap at corner because he was also our best corner we just didn't want to get him a ton of reps weeks mm-hmm. one through six um so we'd rest him some during the year but then when it came crunch time he was out there and then um, Dr. Bishore brought up a, a team in the area. I, I, I probably could say it. Nobody would even blink an eye, but I just won't say it. They, they won state a couple years ago, and they were rotating about, you know, I think he said 28 to 32 kids in. Then when it came down to the championship run, there was only, you know, 22 to 25 kids going in because it had to be the cream of the crop to, to beat the teams you you mm-hmm. face at that level. So uh, we're, we'll, you'll probably see some guys – I know one guy you'll see carrying the ball a little more um, this week, and, and you'll see some guys um, playing a little more offensive line, and you'll see some other guys playing a little more defense that hasn't played a whole lot just because we're we're at that point where we're going to, uh, you know, still rotate some kids in, but we're going to put uh, the kids that have proven themselves, you know, capable 90% of the time or more out there to get it done. And, of course, we've been protecting a few kids that are nicked up mm-hmm. as well, and now it's time to just go ahead and roll with those guys out there and – Play and, football, and the nights are getting cooler, so you're not concerned about heat, obviously, right. this time of the year. So, uh, I, Boy, I was, it's about time. I think, I think yeah. last week was the first time we didn't kick off with it 75 degrees or warmer at kickoff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just been, I, you know, some people, I, I know my wife for one is loving that, mm. the warmer temperatures. But for football wise, oh, yeah. uh, every player will tell you. They don't want leggings and they don't want sleeves until it gets down below forty. The players will take that fifty to sixty-five every time. Absolutely, yeah, that's uh, that's right in the wheelhouse. Love that night. That's football weather. I mean, come on. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> Otherwise, we go to San Diego and play. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the offense. Uh, they again, they run the double wing. So, are we expecting to see a team that's going to run the ball ninety percent of the time, or are yes. we sit in the air? Yeah, that's not. That's a no doubter. Um, uh, if if they if they pass the ball twelve to fifteen times, we're ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I would feel pretty safe saying that um there if if and i think if they pass the ball five times or fewer we're in trouble because the the the, the veer and the, and the midline's working and they're just pounding the ball four or five yards at a time and getting first downs and moving the sticks and scoring touchdowns so we need to we need to see the ball go in the air a few times we need to see them change things up because otherwise they're just going to keep hammering at us and and march down the field so we, we got to be able to put a stop to some of that picked up a 39 20 win now, that was a cold night down at Aurora. Mm, that, that was, that was cold. cold uh down at aurora last year uh pick, and, and got several big plays along the way uh logan marquardt interception comes to mind right before half you end up scoring right before half you stretch that lead out 39 20 the final uh they kind of did some things in desperation because uh, they were behind but i it seems to me that that young group is probably another year older. You're probably not going to see those type, same type of mistakes. No, a real veteran team now, and you're looking down the roster there, Mike, you'll probably see it too. A lot of kids are on the field are seniors and a few more are juniors, and there's not very many sophomores sprinkled in. You know, we, we always talk about that. Two years ago, um, we started six sophomores, and I think we were 0-10. Mm-hmm. Um, the next year, we started four sophomores, 
and we were seven and four. This year, consistently, we started three and we're sitting at six and two. In an ideal situation, your freshmen and sophomores are playing sub-varsity and developing and getting better and learning how to play the game, learn how to do things, and your juniors and seniors are playing for the most part on Friday night. You're always going to have a few sophomores coming through that are ready to play on Friday night as sophomores. Um, but that's that's where they're at as well. You know, they took their lumps when these when these kids were young. Now those a lot of those starters are are seniors and juniors, and they figured things out. And now they're setting at seven and one, and hopefully they're setting at seven and two at nine o'clock on Friday night. You average forty five points a game now. They average thirty five point three, so that would certainly indicate a, a bit of a well, kind of like the McDonald County game. Uh, Aurora seventeen point eight points a game, a little few more points given up than uh, McDonald County came in with a week ago. How are they on the defensive side of the football? What are you going to see over there? Well, that's going to be interesting because um, I know what their what their base philosophy is, and I know what we saw last year. Um, and then obviously you go back to this, but what they did defensively last year wasn't very successful for them. What they did is they loaded the edges and gave us the passing game and gave us up the middle plays. And we heard them with Eli Cheney, heard them a lot with 24 powers. They, they were conceding the off tackle to overload. They, they wanted to stop what people would term the buck sweep, which we won't get into. It's not really a buck sweep, but everybody's going to call it that. Mm-hmm. Our, our edge play there, the fly 49, they wanted to shut Danny down. They didn't want Case and Eli to get to the edge. So we made a living running traps and running um, off tackle. And we had a couple big pass plays. Dylan had through the wide open Caden Denny there in the first half. And um, so I don't know if they will have the philosophy of we're going to, we're going to shut down the sweep play again and, and kind of, because against any offense to some degree you've got to pick your poison a little bit there's something you're going there's a couple plays you're going to try to take away or a couple things and there's a couple things you're going to say well i'm going to concede that um one good example is you hear across when when i go to clinics we'll hear nfl speakers occasionally and a lot of college speakers even high school speakers and they will all say we're going to give up the three to five yard pass routes and rally to it we're we're going to try to take away the eight to ten yard and the 15 plus and we're going to rally to everything underneath so you're going to concede short passing game mm-hmm. and, and hope that there's a few mistakes or you get a few pressure on the quarterback, but you're, you don't want to give up the big play. And so against us, if, 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 you, if last year their philosophy was we're not giving up the edges, but we'll concede up the middle and we'll give up the passing game a little bit and we're able to hurt them with the passing game and up the, and up the middle. So it'll be interesting to see. So I expect that, that there'll be something similar, but they might be a little bit more apt to shut down the passing game and try because we had some big plays in the passing game yeah. last year, and we had some big plays off tackle. So that'll be interesting to see. But we'll be prepared for whatever they throw at us. And I think we've got some kids that are ready to go out and done licking their wounds and ready to to, to play some football. Should asked you this earlier, but uh, of course, coached by Craig Weldy. How do is, do you go back with him, or uh, um, is he a guy that he seems like a guy that would kind of hold his beliefs, kind of like yourself? Yeah, when you yeah. Look, when you watch him, yeah, it definitely definitely a guy who's strong in his convictions about how the game of football should be played and strong in his convictions by his offense and i know a guy real similar to that sitting across <laughs> from you but uh uh yeah he's you know there, there's no matter what you do in this game today you're going to be criticized and so you you just stick to what you believe in you coach your kids hard on it you know i talked to their players about tonight you know 90 percent of you guys are probably bought in you're ready to roll you believe in what we do and there's probably that 10 percent that for whatever reason you're like i don't know you and you know that's fine too as long as you don't as long as you're not expressing that you don't believe then you're not going to play so it doesn't matter if you believe or not but uh yeah he's going to hold strong to to what he believes in and they're going to start the game out trying to 
run fullback, quarterback option type stuff. And then if if that's not successful, then they'll they'll go their second tier plays, and we're going to start the game out, run our bread and butter stuff. And if we can't get it going, we'll go we'll drop down that second tier. But last year down there, we got into our second tier offense quite a bit, and it was successful. So I feel like we can we can do some things. We just got to be cognizant of what they're doing, and then make the proper adjustments. Two teams have four common opponents. Uh, both of them have wins over Hollister, Logan, Rogersville, and Monette, uh, and both have taken a loss to McDonald County. So four common opponents. During the course of the season, just in case uh, you were curious uh, about that. But uh, the Nevada Tigers and the Aurora Hound Dogs get ready to match up. You mentioned this earlier, but uh, how has your practice gone this week? Uh, before we close out this segment, uh, did they use the loss to McDonald County as a little incentive this week? Well, you know, I, I read a really good quote today, Mike, and it may not be verbatim anymore because I read, I, I told it to the players, I read it this morning, I believe. Um, it says, if the road you're on seems easy, you may be on the wrong road. And so I told the kids, you can never get too wrapped up into wins and losses. A lot of people want to judge everything based on wins and losses. But, you know, honestly, a lot of times we grow the most through adversity. You know, you you get stronger in the weight room by lifting progressively heavier weights. You get stronger mentally by challenging your brain. And and, and you start with arithmetic and you work your way up to algebra and calculus and stuff. And sometimes when you overcome adversity in life, whatever the situation, the loss of a loved one, and anything along those lines, um, sometimes as painful as those are, you grow more from that than when everything's roses and cherries and however you want to word that. So uh, I think that we have sometimes it, it's not fun to go through. Uh, and my thing was I didn't feel like we executed very well, which you and I talk about a lot. I believe more in, in execution than wins and losses because we all know you can execute poorly and win and you can execute well and lose. So we just want to execute at a high level. But uh, I think sometimes when you face adversity and you face a setback, that's what gets your attention. That's what gets you more motivated to better yourself, and it's not always a bad thing. Well, Nevada hopes that 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 will lead them into a good week of practice, lead them into this Friday's game against Aurora. We'll talk about the broadcast plans and kick off a little bit later on in the program. Right now we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with one week to go now in the the regular season. We'll take a look at the Class 4 District 7 standings, take a look at what else is going on at the Big 8 Conference as well after this timeout on Tiger. Actually, I need to do that now. I forgot. We have another interview segment. I'm not going to do that now. We're going to go right into it. Sorry about that. I looked up and saw my interview segment ready to go for Danny, so uh, I can't do that. That'll be awkward, so I already made it awkward. So let's take a look at the Class 4 District 7 standings going into this week. Uh, I'd have been better off just taking the break. But at any rate, uh, Class 4 District 7, uh, Lincoln College Prep still undefeated. The only team remaining, and we talked. It's, it's interesting, we talked at the beginning of the season how many teams were ranked in the top 10 in Class 4 football in this district? Well, it's down to one. Uh, of course, Nevada got knocked out of the top 10, basically was replaced by McDonald County uh, in the Class 4 media poll. But Lincoln College Prep still ranked number 6 in the Class 4 top 10. They sit number 1 in Class 4 District 7, seeding with their 8-0 record. Got uh, about a three-and-a-half-point lead over the Nevada Tigers, who are currently second with 40.89 points, sitting at 6-2. and two. Those are the only two teams now. I would never guess this when the season started. Nevada and Lincoln College Prep, the only two teams now sitting above 500 in Class 4 District 7. Bolivar has now slipped into third at 3-5. and five. Grandview is uh, fourth at 3-5. and five. Warrensburg is fifth at 3-4. and four. Harrisonville actually had oh, – I take that back. Harrisonville is a winning record. They're 4-3, and three, but somehow managed to slip down to six. I'm really not sure how that all worked out. And Kansas City East 
It's 0-7 and bringing up the rear. And again, it's a seven-team district, so the number one seed will get a first-round bye next week. So if the season ended before this week, Nevada will be playing Kansas City East next week in the first round of district play. But the thing to talk about here is you're, you're three and a half points behind Lincoln College Prep. They play a very good Kansas City center team uh, this Friday night. You've got a six-point lead over Bolivar. Do you see any movement either way in this thing? I mean, I know you got Jared Alexander over there and your wife, uh, Sarah, who are kind of crunching the numbers. Do you see any movement either way, regardless of what happens on Friday? Well, the the thing that Coach Alexander and, and Sarah will both tell you is you you can't predict the strength of schedule changes that will happen after Friday night as well. So, in other words, all of our opponents that we play, do they win? Do they lose? It came down to that last year. We hosted Harrisonville instead of going up to Harrisonville. It came down a lot of their teams that they had beaten lost that last Friday night, which hurt their strength of schedule. And a lot of teams that we had beat won the last Friday night, which helped our strength of schedule. And that's what ultimately flipped it in the end, although our plus 13 win over Aurora helped on the road too. And also you but, had – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch you off, but the difference here is you had a two-point lead. Right. Or a two-point deficit, I should say, behind Harrisonville. You got a six-point lead over Bolivar. Right. And and – you know, to add to that, Bolivar has to play West Plains this week. Yeah, oh, so yeah. that that's a challenge. Yeah, that's gonna. That's, and, you know, gonna be tough, um, yeah. I had a couple people tell me that it, it looks like our district looked tough early, but it doesn't look like a very tough district right now. Don't forget where Bolivar's playing. Yeah, Bolivar's playing in the Ozark Conference, and their losses are to Lebanon, who is undefeated. Their losses would probably be to West Plains, who, who they got to play yet, and they have a loss, um, I, I believe, to Kickapoo. And they have a loss, I think, to Rolla. They beat Waynesville, so maybe Rolla. So you look at that. It had to be th- There's some yeah. Ozark Conference schools that are pretty solid. I know Rolla beat. Uh, lost to Camdenton. Lost to Camdenton. But two weeks ago, I think Rolla upset somebody. So it's a it's a pretty tough conference. And it just seems odd to me, Mike, that. Uh, that Lost um, to Glendale, too. Lost to Glendale. Yeah, and Glendale's had a decent year. Not great, but decent. But, I mean, they, they've lost some big schools. They've lost mm-hmm. some Class 5 and Class 6 schools in the Ozark Conference. So that's that's a challenge. Yeah, to they be collect in a conference. lot of bonus points. Right, correct. And so uh, they're, they're going to be a scary matchup. Um, you know, it, it, the, the second round – so let me answer your question. I'm kind of been putting that off. That's okay. I, I don't see I don't see a flip taking place unless there's a drastic, mm-hmm. you know, somebody wins by more than 13 and we lose by more than 13. Then something weird may happen. But I think it's pretty well set. One, two, and seven. I think three yeah, through five, three through six sucks. can be can shuffle around a little bit. Yeah, I was going. That's where exactly where I was going to go. I think the interesting part about this district is going to be three through six. Uh, you know, four and five. It's just a matter of who's going to be at home. Uh, but uh, three and six. I mean, Harrisonville with a four and three record. I'm not sure who they play this week. I didn't look it up. But uh, Odessa, maybe. I think no, that's uh, Warrensburg. I that's think Warrensburg. okay. It might be. Uh, but uh, well, well, let's just not leave it in mystery. All right, you got all night, right? <laughs> so, uh, well, I'm sorry they do play Odessa. Okay, okay. that's what I thought. That, that's uh, that's my bad. I'm sorry they do play Odessa. So Harrisonville's got to play incredibly well to win that game. Okay, Warrensburg plays at Old Grove is three and four. So okay. uh, so Warrensburg may have the best shot out of that whole group uh, to get a W this week. So, but I think that's where I was going with this. I think that's going to be the entertaining part to see who ends up three through six. Correct. And, and yeah, I just we just need to play. I mean, it, it always comes down to you take care of your own business and then whatever happens, happens. So that's going to be the main focus on Friday night. Well, and the point remaining also, you definitely don't want to go into postseason play riding a two-game skid. Yeah, you know, um, I remember, though, we uh, one year at Houston towards the back end of our schedule before – it was the old district format, but mm-hmm. we went into districts with back-to-back losses to Mountain Grove and Salem, who ironically – 
Mountain Grove went to the semis that year, and Salem's only loss was to Mountain Grove in the districts, and we came out and just steam plowed the district. And it was it wasn't a weak district. It mm-hmm. was it was Kabul, Willow Springs, and Mountain View Liberty who we had to get by, and so but we 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 dropped those two games and we're kind of hanging our heads. We came out and played well and made all the way to the semifinals. So it, it, it I don't want that to happen. But if it does happen, we're going to keep getting better, keep working hard, and you never know. You, every Friday night brings its new challenges and, and new headaches and new thrills. So we just keep plugging away and uh, let me caution again we put this warning out before just like we did last year uh, uh, when nevada went down to aurora uh, don't uh, don't put a lot of stock in the seedings yet until late saturday night because uh, there's gonna there i'm not sure about the kansas city area schedule but lincoln college prep may be playing some teams this year that will be playing on saturday correct which will factor into things as well so uh, my advice is if you want to check it great but uh, come back again saturday night or early sunday morning and uh, and see where it sits in because it'll be a little more definitive at that point. But right at this point, uh, Nevada would play at home against Kansas City. But you want that two spot because that guarantees you at least two games, assuming you win the first game. It guarantees you at least two home games. Correct. And and one thing we can probably safely say, Mike, we win Friday night. We're we're the two. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to be. And now if, if something weird again. happens to the prep school, then then possibly. You know, we we bump up to one, but three is a lot to gain on too. Yeah. So, it, it, but if we win, we know we're one or two for sure, and it, there, there's not much concern about that. But if we if we lose, and then some strength of schedule stuff happens on Saturday, like you're alluding to, we may not know for sure until late Saturday night or Sunday. That's the reason why I love this point system because, as opposed to the L system, because it just keeps you on the edge of your seat all the way through the end. You probably hate it, but I love it. <laughs> well. I wouldn't say I hate it, but you know, I, there are some advantages to it over the old system. You know, I don't know how many times teams would go two and one in their mm-hmm. district and still squeak by on a tiebreaker or mm-hmm. you know point margin or whatever. But uh, so I, I like that part of it better. Um, but I mean, and then you also no, got. I'm not sure the situation, but then the other thing you have to look at is if somebody beats somebody head to head. Uh, Warrensburg and Harrisonville play each other. Uh, somebody is above somebody that got beat by that team below them. Well, then you flip them. Right. And, and so. I think – now, we weren't the only one, but when I was at Republic, we beat Marshfield head-to-head. Marshfield mm-hmm. finished ahead of us, and we protested that and protested that. And the next year they put the rule in. So I'm sure we weren't the only ones protesting. But it didn't make any sense to us that we were mm-hmm. – I, I think it was like a three or four that year. I don't remember what it was. But we had to play four or five. Maybe we had to play on the road. And rather than playing at home, and that makes a difference. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's better they made that automatic flip. That just makes sense to me if you're back-to-back, it goes that way. Uh, your wife is sending some message that it doesn't matter to us, but Rolla upset Lebanon last week. Uh, yeah, I, was, yeah I, thought, so, I thought there was upset in there somewhere, yeah. So, well, Bolivar playing both, so they got hurt by one and helped by the other. Correct. <laughs> so, but at any rate, all right, so enough about seating uh, and the district standing. I need to get, I need to get Coach out here. He's got somewhere he needs to be. Let's take a look at the Big A Conference schedule uh, for actually the results from last week in the West Division. Besides uh, McDonald County, were debated 39-34. Cassville over East Newton, 42-6. And Lamar shut out Seneca, 41 to nothing. Not surprised Lamar won. I was, shut out that I was, I was uh, surprised they shut out Seneca. But at any rate, in the East Division, it was Hollister over Mount Vernon, 21 to nothing. Uh, Aurora over Reed Spring, 28-14, and Logan Rogersville. Glad we played them when we did. Uh, they uh, win their fifth consecutive game after an 0-3 start. They beat Marshfield 57-28. The crossover game last week had Monette defeating Springfield Catholic. Everybody else is still playing a division game this week, except for Nevada and Aurora. So uh, still some stuff up for grabs. Uh, well, actually, Aurora's already won the East. Lamar just has to beat East Newton to win the West. Uh, and Well, they actually have a head-to-head win already. 
against McDonald County also. So that's a foregone conclusion. But Lamar will be at East Newton in the West Division uh, on Friday night. Monette at Seneca and Cassville will be at McDonald County in the East. It's Marshfield at Mount Vernon. Hollister at Springfield Catholic and Reed Spring at Logan Rogersville. That's your Big A schedule for the final week of the regular season coming up on Friday night around Southwest Missouri. All right, I need to get you out of here. I know you got somewhere you need to be, but final thing, uh, uh, what do you? Uh, we always try to end with. What do you see? The one is two keys for you on Friday night against Aurora. You could probably record this segment <laughs> and play it all here. We, Mike, it, it's just coming down to the point in the year where we got to get more stops on defense. We did. Our, our kids have to step up. We've got some talented kids on that side. Kay Sanderson's a great DN. We have a really good linebacking core. Uh, Kenneth Johnson's a good D tackle, you know, and, and we got some kids in the secondary that can play football. We just have to get more. St- we have to play aggressive. We have to go after the ball. We we got to get things that we have to force some more punts, and we and we have to, to to get some more stops. And then offensively, we cannot have little breakdowns at big times, and we have not done that this year. We we've executed really well offensively, and then both in the Lamar game and in this game. Uh, against Matt County last Friday, we had some breakdowns at key times that you just cannot have breakdowns on, and those are things that we need to get cleaned up. But I tell you what, I would not trade our kids for anybody. I wouldn't trade a single player we have for anybody on anybody else's roster. Uh, it is absolutely a privilege to coach these young men at Nevada, and I really feel like after the week of practice that we had, we will play well. And I'm not I'm not big into predicting wins and losses because, like I always say, and I said it tonight, you can, you can execute well and not win, and you can execute poorly and win. And when you win, everything's fine, whether you played well or not. And I think it was a good eye-opener for our kids. I think you'll see a team with a chip on their shoulder and playing really physical, hard-nosed football Friday night. And uh, whatever happens, happens. We're going we're gonna to play uh, Nevada-style football and get after some people. All right, look forward to it. Go get win number seven, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. All right, thanks, Mike. Nevada Tiger head coach Wes Beachler will come back, and when we do, I'll be visiting with Nevada Lady Tiger head softball coach Danny Penn. We'll be talking about the uh, district championship last week and the big Class 4 quarterfinal game against Platte County tomorrow at Bushwhacker Field. That conversation comes up next. This is Dr. Eric Anderson at 54 Vet Clinic. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. This couldn't be more true than when you are talking about fleas, ticks, and heartworms with your pets. There are two new products available. Semperica is a once a month pill that treats fleas, ticks, and heartworms and internal parasites. ProHeart is an injectable prevention for heartworms and internal parasites that lasts for 12 months. If you'd like to know more, call us at 417-667-8381. When it comes to choosing the best insurance company to protect your life's most valuable possessions, trust one of Missouri's oldest and strongest mutuals, CFM Insurance. I'm Monty Smith, owner of Smith Insurance, and I am proud to partner with CFM Insurance, who's provided strength, stability, and exceptional protection for Missouri families since 1869. I'm confident that together we can build your perfect CFM homeowners, farm owners, or countryside policy to protect what you've worked so hard to achieve generations to come. Let's grow together. Call 417-667-1828 for a quote or stop by our new office location at 100 South Pruitt Street, Suite B in Nevada. Ferry Funeral Home is proud to have served the Nevada and surrounding area since 1925 and continues to be locally owned and family run. Ferry Funeral Home is also a proud supporter of the area's youth and Nevada high school athletics. When times are hard and you need a kind hand with a familiar face, count on Ferry Funeral Home for the sincerity your family deserves. Ferry Funeral Home, three generations finding a better way to help. 301 South Washington in Nevada. Find them fast in names and numbers. 
Do you miss those old day cafes where your family can go and have great food cooked from scratch? Then head to Emery's Truck Stop in Deerfield, Missouri. They have those old-fashioned cheeseburgers, chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes and gravy, hot beef sandwiches, and breakfast served all day. And don't forget the fresh pies made daily or the gas available 24 hours a day pay at the pump. It's the locals' favorite hangout for great food, conversation, exceptional service, and low prices. Emery's Truck Stop on the south side of Highway 54 in Deerfield. Hey, welcome back to Tiger Talk tonight here on uh, Double K Country. Thanks for joining us. Of course, thanks to Nevada Tiger Head football coach Wes Beetzer for coming in on his weekly segment. Right now, it's time to turn our attention to the Nevada Lady Tiger softball program as they have extended their season into postseason play and are now one step away from uh, making a, a second ever appearance in the Final Four as uh, they're trying to get back to the same place that they won back in 2010. But they got to get past a, a quarterfinal matchup here tomorrow when they get set to take on the Lady Pirates of Platte County High School. That will be a home day tomorrow. Tomorrow at Bushwhacker Field here in Nevada. Again, we are going to continue to emphasize too and remind you that it is digital tickets only. So you do have to buy your tickets online through the Mission website. And we'll talk more about that on sports, but uh, just go to mission.org. You'll see the ticket link on the front page of the website and then just follow it from there and it'll get you where you need to go. It's really not too not too hard to process at all. But we welcome Danny Penn in. Danny, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here, Mike. Uh, excited to talk about um, the success that our uh, team and um, young ladies have had. Well, let's talk about your team. I mean, before we get to the postseason, well, actually, you know what? Let's, let's start with postseason. Let's talk about that district championship a week ago. Uh, you went as the number one seed, and uh, you're able to uphold that uh, number one seed. And it sounds like uh, you had a very good tournament culminated by a, a sound beating of Warrensburg uh, on Friday. The championship game on Friday um, – was the game that Coach Wolf and I had envisioned our team being capable of all season. We played a complete game. Uh, pitching and defense were solid, made plays. Peyton continued to pitch really well in the circle. Our offense jumped on our opposition very quickly. Uh, we had quality at bats. We hit for extra bases. We put the ball in play and moved runners. We took walks when that was what was needed um, and executed a squeeze play. I mean, just – I. I left that game obviously excited that we won a district championship, but I just, anybody who would listen to me, you know, once they said <laughs> congratulations and I appreciated that, I just said, man, I can't believe we finally played that well. That's what we've been looking for. So uh, very excited about that. Well, you've got some seniors on this team. You've got some veterans, but you also have a lot of youth on this team. And it seems like they, uh, I don't want to say they grow up in front of your eyes. I mean, they had playing experience coming in, some of these uh, younger players that you have, but uh, it seems like their maturity level is at a little higher level. It is. And, one of the things that I think is maybe for me personally most rewarding about this team is it's not just one or two players that are dragging everybody else along with them, but on a given night, any number of combination of our players may be kind of the the dominant force for our team, whether it's you know Peyton Eaton as a freshman in the circle, whether it's Bailey Off Sr. as our leadoff hitter, whether it's Kara Phillip, a sophomore with her legs, whether it's Kirsten Buck, you know, all nine – nine or ten of our girls who play significant innings um, are capable of having a tremendous impact on a game and so it's really fun for me because you know as again as I talked to some people since we won the championship on Friday it's just been everybody on this team has a has a role and they all do that role really well and you know we truly are a team um, made up by the sum of our parts and again not just one or two people but you know those freshmen like you said they have lots of experience but they have grown up uh, over the course of this season. And I've had to talk to those freshmen a couple times just 
and make sure they understand that I'm not coaching them like they're a freshman. I'm coaching them like they are varsity level softball player and their experience. They already understand that. But sometimes I still feel like I needed to get that across because um, I've told our team from day one, Coach Wolf as well, for us to get to our potential, which maybe we saw on Friday. Um, there are things that we needed to clean up and things that we needed to do better because, you know, Peyton Eaton, Ella Hethman, Kaylee Holcomb, what they were capable of doing at the beginning of the season had probably been good enough playing against other teams their age, but playing it against the varsity softball program, quality programs like Warrensburg, et cetera, you know, they needed to raise their game and a credit to them for, for having done that. The, the mark of the two games you played in uh, your district tournament was how quick you came out of the gate. Uh, you, you jumped right on your two opponents. We did. And I'll give a lot of credit to that, to Bailey Ost, our leadoff hitter. If you um, if you track her batting average over the course of the season, about two weeks ago, I think she was hitting around 340 to 350. Right now she's sitting at 450. I mean, she's raised her batting average 100 points in the last couple of weeks. And uh, as she goes, we kind of follow offensively. You know, if, if you were to track the number of innings where she leads off and she gets on base more times than not, we score in those innings. Whereas if she does not get on base and, you know, it takes us a little bit more to manufacture a run. And so um, Bailey does a really nice job for us in the leadoff spot. And then Skylar Burns, who has over the course of the year kind of progressed and earned that spot in the number two hole, does a really nice job of continuing our lineup, getting us to Claire, Kirsten, uh, and Ella in the three, four, five. And so... Like you said, uh, we jumped on our opponents early, kind of took the momentum away from them, kind of took the wind out of their sails and just never looked back. As you get ready to now move forward, uh, where do you see, where's the chink in your armor? Uh, what, would you, what are you trying to shore up this week in practice to, to make sure it doesn't rear its ugly head uh, during this postseason play? We're just trying to make sure that we continue to keep our foot on the gas pedal. That's kind of the message that we always um, send to our players. So, you know, if things aren't going well, we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep uh, keep moving forward. Uh, we have talked about games being kind of like a boxing match, you know, and especially when you get into postseason play at the level we're at now, we're in the, the last eight teams. Every team you play is going to be a good team, you know, and they're going to throw punches, if you will. And we have to make sure that we're able to try to minimize the damage they do to us and be willing and able to throw our own punches back. And so we're just trying to make sure that whenever a team scores on us, we don't shoot ourselves in the foot if we make an error we only make one we don't let that snowball and grow into something bigger where they put up three four five runs in an inning and then offensively we're trying to do our best to make sure that we're having productive at bats uh we're looking at what the situation calls for whether that just be a ground ball to move a runner a fly ball to bring a runner in um, or someone just taking a walk to get on base to start an inning just trying to make sure that we're playing as smart as softball as we possibly can as the season progressed, I don't know what your expectations were. Well, we probably did talk about it, what, what your, your goals, expectations were, but I don't know if you saw it getting to this point. I'm sure a district title was certainly something that you thought about and thought was certainly within your grasp, even with a young team. But when was the point of the season where you said, you know what, we may have something pretty special here? I, I mean, early in the season, we thought we had the potential. Um, bringing back Claire and Bailey, you know, our two leading seniors who have a ton of experience, obviously very gifted softball players, Having Kirsten as well, her third year in the program, someone who we knew was going to be a dynamic bat for us. We saw the success that Kara and Skyler had last year as freshmen, and then we've already talked about uh, the potential we saw in Peyton, Ella, and Kaylee. We knew that the potential was there. It was just a matter of how we kind of gelled together, um, how we were able to work together as a team. And so um, I would say it was before the Carthage tournament 
really started to feel well just because I thought that some of the nervousness and anxiety early in the season we had moved past and we had stopped maybe I don't want to say stop thinking so much because you have to think Mm. but when it came time to just go out and play and trust our ability we were able to do that and so going three and one in that Carthage tournament um, really kind of made me feel like we had a really good chance of uh, having success at the district tournament. Obviously, we did. We played really well against Harrisonville, really well against Warrensburg, and um, I feel feel good about where we're at right now. But not every team can get away with uh, with a freshman battery. You don't see many teams with a freshman pitcher, catcher, uh, and catcher to have the success that you've had. So, and you don't see a lot of teams that may, when they have older players, may be accepting a freshman's uh, freshman players coming up to the varsity level. So, so your older players had to buy into what you were doing. They did, and. You know, there, there's a bunch of superlatives I could throw at, at our older players, but I think uh, amongst the the best would be that they want to win. They're selfless in the sense they want to win. They don't necessarily who gets the credit, um, and they want to do it together. And so they recognize that, you know, we graduated Abby Harder, Tylen Hethman, Malia Hinton, Blair Wilson, some players who had – left a very very sizable footprints on our program and so there were holes that needed to be filled and they saw that these young players had some potential and so again I can't give enough credit to our upperclassmen about how they took these young players under their wing and really just kind of helped them grow not only as players on the field but made them feel comfortable and truly like they were a part of our team um, but yeah um, our freshman battery is something you don't <laughs> see very much you know almost every coach that I talk to um, you know the game or game's over if they don't know much about us they how old your pitcher and I say well she's a freshman oh wow she does a really nice job what about your catcher and I say, well, she's a freshman too and they just kind of look at me and like you're gonna be okay for a couple of years and I'm like, yeah I, I think so you know um Peyton does she has a real good idea of what she wants to do when she's in the circle she throws four quality pitches she more times than not is very good with her location um, Ella has all the physical tools to be dynamite behind the plate. She has really grown on the mental side over the course of the season, um, has really started to understand pitch calling. And so these last five or six games, I've really kind of turned over a lot of the pitch calling to her. And she has more times than not, you know, called the exact same pitch that I would call in a situation. And so I feel like um, both of those players, you know, the physical tools are there. Now the mental side of it's starting to come along, which I'm really excited about. One last thing before we move on to your game tomorrow, and that is uh, what was that feeling like on Friday? Unfortunately, we couldn't broadcast it because uh, I'm still going to start a petition that says, please do not play district softball championship games on Fridays, or at least do it by uh, do it at 1 o'clock if you're going to do it so we can broadcast them. But at any rate, uh, what, was that, what was that feeling like for you and your team to win that district, hold that district plaque up? I mean, it was you – know, the word awesome gets used a lot, but it, it truly was. Um, I mean, the whole game, we were the home team, and so – in the top of the first, Warrensburg got two runners on base, and you know, it, momentum was there for them to grab, but we were able to get out of it. And so then we come right back and we score four runs in the bottom of the first and kind of take the wind out of their sails. Uh, a, top, a quick top of the second inning, we score four more, and then it's 8 nothing. And so then it's just, like we said earlier, keep our foot on the gas pedal, don't let off, don't let them creep back in the game. Um, and I mean, we just kept playing really good softball. And so we got into the bottom of the fifth. We knew we were getting close to a run rule situation. Uh, Skylar burns on first base. And I just kind of told myself, Claire hits anything in a gap. I'm sending Skylar regardless and credit to Claire. She hit a ball into the right center field gap and Skylar got a good jump and scored from first base. And, um, you know, just jubilation (laughs) and excitement. And, um, like I said, 
just incredibly proud of how hard the players have worked. Um, we we watched Warrensburg's semifinal game and kind of got an idea of what we wanted to do. And at the high school level, having an idea and then going out and executing it don't always go hand in hand. But our players, I thought, did a tremendous job of doing exactly what we practiced um, on Thursday, doing what we talked about needing to do. And so I was proud of them because, A, we won. I was proud of how we won. And then just, um, you know, achieving that goal that we set out at the outset of the season. Very, very rewarding. Well, that Class 4 District 7 championship gets Nevada into the quarterfinal round. It even faked me out there for a little bit. No sectional this year. I actually didn't realize it until I looked at the bracket about a week and a half ago. But uh, no sectional this year. Goes straight to quarterfinals. That's a product of more teams playing in the spring, I'm sure. And uh, But uh, anyway, so it's quarterfinal round coming up tomorrow. Uh, one step away from the Final Four next week in Springfield. And the Platte County Lady Pirates will be in town tomorrow. But Bushwhacker Field for a 5 o'clock game. One of the luxuries of you having played on Friday is it did give you the chance to go watch them play. On Saturday, they went it as a two-seed. The one-seed, Smithville, got knocked off in the semifinals by Excelsior Springs, and Platte County pretty much, I guess, kind of cruised to a district championship. I don't know if it's that easy. I mean, the score made it look that way anyway. Uh, you saw the game, so what did you see out of Platte County? They're a solid softball team. Again, when you get down to being one of the last eight teams, you don't get there by mistake. Um, their pitcher not overpowering in terms of her velocity, but uh, looked to work at the top of the zone and the bottom of the zone. And so it looked like she was kind of throwing a rise ball that maybe didn't really rise a whole lot, but stayed at the top of the zone that uh, a lot of batters for Excelsior swung under or they popped up and then threw a drop ball kind of at the bottom of the zone that batter swung over the top of or pounded into the ground. And so we kind of have an idea of what uh, we think that she may try to do against us if she has a similar game plan offensively um their leadoff batter is a lefty slap hitter who has really good control was very impressed by her their uh their three-hole hitter their first baseman a uh, very powerful swing um <laughs> did not make solid contact in the game i watched but i was sitting next to someone who said that uh, in the semifinal game she hit a ball about 40 feet over the fence <laughs> and so obviously someone that we have to be aware of but um you know the top six hitters i thought had really good at bats getting down to the bottom of the lineup, maybe some weaker swings. Uh, But still hitters who, if you make a mistake pitch, they're going to probably hit the ball hard. And so it's a team that I think we can beat if we show up and play like we did on Friday against Wardensburg. So it's just a matter of us uh, trying to do just that. Well, when you last played in the quarterfinal game two years ago, you had to make the long trip to Savannah. And, uh, of course, did not turn out well. Uh, But now you get this one at home. How big is that? I think it's it's really fun uh, for our team because – Obviously, we're familiar with our field. We have the home field advantage, if you will. We're going to have our fans. Um, Nevada softball, we're blessed. We have a very loyal and strong fan base. We're always very well represented. Uh, When we travel, a lot of times we bring more fans than the home team has. And so um, us being able to host this game and just seeing kind of the feedback and response on social media to when we have posted the link, as you alluded to earlier, to buy those tickets on the Misha site, it looks like we're going to have a pretty packed house. And so um, it's a fun atmosphere just kind of being in that moment. Um, you know, we've talked to our team about trying to minimize how much we think about that because once the first pitch is thrown, we would just want to play softball as much as we can. Um, but it is a fun atmosphere, and, and it's a night that our team will remember. Because you are young, do you worry about the? You do worry about that in this kind of moment, or do you think these player these players are, are mature enough uh, that they'll handle it just fine? 
Uh, if I'm being honest, I think that all of our players will have some anxiety. You know, if I'm being honest, Mike, I'll have some anxiety. I'll, I'll have some butterflies. Broadcaster. Uh, sure, sure. You know, <laughs> you you want to do well. Uh, you know that you're on a big stage. You know that you're in a quarterfinal, and so um, you have some nervous energy, energy, some nervous anxiety, maybe. But the message that we've delivered to our team is just be confident. You know, you're in this game for a reason. You're here because you are a good team and you're capable of playing good softball. And so we may see some jitters early in the game. Um, honestly, our first inning against Harrisonville saw some jitters in that game, but got through those pretty quickly, and then we kind of reverted back to just playing softball like we're capable of. And so I'm not going to say it's impossible that we may have some nervous players who maybe are a little tight early on, but hopefully they're able to relax as quickly as possible and then just kind of get back to playing softball. Game five, game time, 5 o'clock tomorrow. Again, the Class 4 quarterfinal round. The winner moves on to the Final Four next week. And uh, that is the semifinal or that other quarterfinal game and outside the bracket, Farmington and Washington. Uh, so two very good softball teams. You worry about that when you have to worry about it. But uh, uh, should be a heck of a game coming up tomorrow. I need to let you go because you're up against the clock. So appreciate the time and uh, good luck uh, tomorrow. We look forward to seeing it. All right, Mike. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you guys out there and hopefully a big crowd. Lady Tigers softball coach Danny Penn will come back and uh, tell you about the broadcast plans for tomorrow, along with maybe some of the other logistics as far as what's going to happen at Bushwhacker Field in regards to parking and other things. And uh, from Athletic Director Dave Hawks, assuming he's given me that information by now. So uh, we'll have that information also coming up for you, plus our broadcast plans for fo uh, football after this timeout on Tiger Talk. With warm days coming to an end, think Sutherland's home base of Nevada with everything you need to get that house and outside area ready for the colder months. From products for your windows, heaters, pipes, and everything in between, Sutherland's will make sure you are prepared for the upcoming months. Sutherland's home base, 2101 East Austin, Nevada. Great products, great people, low prices. You're at a place you'd like to write a check, but you know if you do, you'll get grilled. Do you have a driver's license? Do you have a job? A social security number? Why go through that? Use your debit card. It's easier and more convenient than writing a check. The First National Bank, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Now with ATM locations at Murphy's USA next to the Walmart parking lot, Wood Supermarket at 1407 West Austin in Nevada, and the First National Bank on the Nevada Square. At Nevada Auto Mall, Danny Deals and his crew continue to trade for the area's best pre-owned vehicles. Come check out this 2017 Ford Fusion SE with lots of extras for just $17,999 or $281 a month. When people ask, how do you get all these nice pre-owned vehicles? I say it's simple. We always give the best deals out here at Nevada Auto Mall. And believe me, we've got more of these nice vehicles on the way. Nevada Auto Mall, the place where you get your deal. 4.9% 75 months with approved credit. Twice a year is a minimum. You owe it to yourself. A checkup with Dr. Travis Jackson at Nevada Family Dentistry. New patients are always accepted. Call today for an appointment at 667-3006. Nevada Family Dentistry offers you the highest level of dental care available in a warm, comfortable environment with services for all ages. They are now your local source for dental implants. Open Tuesday, 8.30 to noon and 1 to 5. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8.30 to 1 and 2 to 5. Nevada Family Dentistry, 667-3006 at 402 East Walnut in Nevada. 
And that'll do it for Tiger Talk tonight here on uh, KNM and KNMO. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks to, of course, Nevada Tiger football coach Wes Beachler for joining us for his weekly segment. And thanks to Nevada Lady Tiger at softball coach Danny Penn for joining us uh, as they get ready for uh, that big ball game tomorrow against Platte County at Bushwhacker Field beginning at uh, 5 o'clock tomorrow. Let's just touch on that first. We'll have that coverage for you tomorrow on AM 1240 KNM 99.9 FM along with our AM audio stream at KNMO.com. It is an audio-only broadcast uh, schedule uh, for tomorrow. So if you can't be there in person, you can listen in, and uh, we'll have that coverage for you tomorrow. Derek Campbell will be doing the majority of the play-by-play, but I'm going to be there to help out as well on pregame, postgame, and probably do some color along the way as well. So uh, we'll both be there for that broadcast coming up tomorrow from uh, Bushwhacker Field. And uh, a lot of things you should know about that. A couple of things, actually, you should know about that. First of all, according to Nevada High School Athletic Director Dave Hawks, he wanted to make sure we passed along. Number one, remember that uh, all tickets must be digital. You must get your tickets from the Missouri to High School Activities Association website. That's at mishsa.org, M-S-H-S-A-A.org. On the front page, on the home page of the website, you'll see a ticket banner, ticket logo, if you will. It says tickets right there on it. You just go there, click there, just follow the instructions. It asks what sport, what class, uh, and uh, just come over with things to easily navigate. And uh, then you select the game, Nevada against Platte County, and you make a ticket purchase there. There will be no ticket sales at the gate. So remember that. Everything is digital. It all has to go through Misha.org. So make sure you go online if you intend on going to get your tickets. I believe you can either print them off or put them on your phone. Either way, but everything will be digital for admission to that game tomorrow at Bushwhacker Field. Also, remember that no passes are accepted. If you hold a family pass uh, from the boosters or you have uh, other passes from the Veda R5, those are not accepted. Remember, this is a Misha contest. Nevada is only hosting the event. It is a Missouri State High School Activities Association event, so no passes are accepted. Parking situation. We all know the parking is tied over at Bushwhacker Field. There will be limited parking beyond the right field fence at Bushwhacker Field. Majority of the parking will take place at Lions Stadium, then you'll need to walk over to Bushwhacker Field. Apparently, overflow parking will be allowed at the Osage Prairie YMCA across the street as well. Do not park in the cemetery next door or your car will be towed. So do not park in the cemetery next door. You'll run the risk of your car or vehicle being towed from uh, that vicinity. So uh, make sure you don't do that. But uh, again, we'll have the coverage for you tomorrow. If you can't be there in person, it is a 440 pregame first pitch at 5 o'clock from Bushwhacker Field. AM 1240 KNEM 99.9 FM and KNEMKNMO.com. We will not have Nevada TV there. If we did, it would be a pay-per-view event. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, Bushwhacker Field is just not conducive uh, for video coverage uh, logistically. And also pay-per-view really drives down the, the viewing numbers as well. So it creates a lot of work for not much viewership, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so we will not be doing that uh, for that ball game tomorrow. So it will be an audio-only broadcast. All right, coming up uh, to Friday night, of course, we've got Nevada Tiger football. They're at home against the Aurora Hound Dogs. And that game time will be at uh, 7 o'clock on Friday night at Logan Field. I'll be there for that coverage beginning at 620. That, again, will be on AM 1240 KNEM and 99.9 FM. Go to mknmo.com and on nevadamotv.com on Friday night as well. Kickoff at 7, pregame coverage beginning at 6.20 when Nevada plays host to the Aurora Hound Dogs. And then, of course, next week we'll be getting into the first round of Class 4 District 7 play. As of today, Nevada would be the number 2 seed and would play number 7 seed, Kansas City East, at Logan Field next Friday night. 
We'll have to see if it remains that way after this week's final week of regular season play. We'll certainly update you on that as soon as that it becomes available. That's going to do it for tonight. My thanks to you for joining us here on the program tonight on the Nevada Tiger Talk program. We'll come back again next Wednesday night. We'll do it all over again, and we'll get things underway at 6.05 next Wednesday on Double K Country. For Nevada Tiger football coach Wes Beachler, Lady Tiger softball coach Danny Penn, I'm Mike Harbett. Thanks for joining us for Tiger Talk on Double K Country. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Tiger Talk on Double K Country. Tiger Talk is brought to you each week by Buzz's Barbecue, Nevada Auto Mall, Emory's Truck Stop, Ferry Funeral Home, 54 Feet and Seed, Sutherland's Home Base, First National Bank, Eldorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, 54 Veterinary Clinic, Compass Health Network, Sharky's Pub and Grub, Nevada Family Dentistry, Thorpe's Appliances, The Plumbing Shop, MyNevadaMode.com, and Smith Insurance Agency. Join us next Wednesday night at 6.05 for Tiger Talk on your source for sports in southwest Missouri and southeast Kansas. AM 1240 KNEM and 97.5 FM KNMO in Nevada. Double K Country.